Hello, and welcome to CART, a podcast about coffee and related topics. I'm your host, Joseph Jenkins, owner and lead educator of Sustain Coffee. If you happen to be new around here, allow us to introduce ourselves. We at Sustain Coffee are a collective group of baristas, home brewers, coffee professionals, and just all around coffee enthusiasts. Our main goal is to approach coffee education in a way that is encouraging. What started as a school project with classes held in a home kitchen has morphed its way into a team of dedicated coffee lovers who want to extend their passion to others. This said, the podcast you are currently listening to is but a part of all that we do. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at 901 Sustain Coffee to get in the know of in-person workshops and pop-ups, or just to say hello. If you find that you enjoy what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll find all this in the show notes below. Regardless of those things, we hope that you enjoy this week's episode. Now, on to the show. Hey listener, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We're super excited about today's show and hope you are too. Thank you for allowing us to have a brief hiatus as we missed our last episode as we were enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday with our families. We hope that you as well had a chance to relax and enjoy some time with those you love as well. Just a reminder, we are towing the end of season five and we need to hear from you if you go to our website at 901sustaincoffee.com and look for the tab that says podcast under cart you should find a place to vote on what you want the next season season six to entail would you like to hear more things like science topics would you like to hear more in-depth conversations with others interview style or maybe something that we haven't even covered yet on the show there's so many different aspects of the coffee industry and we're sure to have missed something so please we want to hear directly from you and have your opinion count on the show so take the time to do that and as well if you have not had a chance to already please take a moment to give us a review on the podcast player that you're currently listening to be it spotify or apple music or something like that it helps us grow a lot and also helps us to kind of get on the algorithms of exposure and we love that around here and as always, as an additional reminder, we encourage you to please check out our Patreon if you have not already. This is a great way to keep the show supported, keep us free of ads, and also allows you to have a wealth of perks and benefits available to you, such as class discounts, merchandise discounts, and further intuitive brewing resources. So we recommend you checking it out. You can go to patreon.com forward slash 901 sustain coffee, or you can just go to the show notes in today's episode and click on the Patreon link. Thanks so much. Now, on to the show. Today we are drinking a coffee from a region that we find to be underrepresented within the specialty coffee spectrum. That's a Sulawesi. If you've never heard of or even tried this coffee region, we wouldn't blame you. Or if you have heard it, you may have been through an experience that you've had at, say, a Starbucks. In a blog post by Thomas Owen of Sweet Maria's, a green coffee supplier, it is stated that, quote, the demand for Sulawesi has something to do with Starbucks and maybe Pete's. Starbucks has featured Tojora coffee for many years as the dark roast style and Indonesian wet hold process pairs well, end quote. The same blog also speaks to Sulawesi's complex market history. This specific region of Indonesia has a similar reputation as other regions, such as Sumatra, as being rank and musty in smell due to it being traded wet. Yet, when processed and traded with care, they can be clean, tasty, and among some of the loveliest tasting coffees in Indonesia's growing region. 
The cup that we are enjoying today has a lovely complexity to it. And Sweet Maria's goes further and states this, quote, Although the system of trading the wet coffee before final drying can damage the cup, we have been able to work with suppliers who have mastered the elaborate coffee collector system in the Taraja Highlands. The result is a brighter, more complex, and cleaner cup flavor. And for us, we've been brewing this one with a lower brew temperature of around 85 Celsius using the AeroPress with the Prismo attachment and heavy agitation. Our goal when brewing this coffee is a high TDS and extraction yield percentage, achieved within a fast brew time. We have had the privilege of serving this coffee at our Sunday Cafe Takeovers at Boycott Coffee. This upcoming week, December the 11th, it will be our final week of this coffee being available, so be sure to stop and drop by and try it for yourself. We're there from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's Boycott Coffee at 240 Madison Avenue. Season 5, Episode 12, Workshop Review. You want to taste some acid? Today we're going to review some of the conversation points from our most recent workshop. If you were there and got the chance to go hands-on with us, thank you again. In case you missed it, be sure to keep up with us on Instagram in order to stay in the know of all of our upcoming events. This workshop was slightly different from previous ones, as we spent most of the time that we've ever spent diving hands-on into sensory development. And this was achieved by having attendees do several things. And we started with a sort of palate calibration, where we cupped five basic tasting elements. And this was done by taking citric acid, monosodium glucamate, salt, sugar, and caffeine to allow us to observe our five senses in isolation. The citric acid gave us a sensation of sourness, whereas the MSG gave us an idea of what umami tastes like, and it tasted a lot like takeout food that we've had. The salt and sugar elements gave us the salty and sweetness that we can detect on our palate, and finally the caffeine powder gave us a sense of what bitterness can act like on our palates. And this one was far more of a mouth-drying textural element than the other elements, and was not as offensive as one might have expected. Why did we choose to start with this one though? Well, we found that by having a solid understanding and reference point for five main senses, we can have further clarity in our coffee cupping and brew tasting experiences. While it's convenient for us to say that a said coffee tastes similar to chocolate, what is the actual sensory neuron being activated to make us say such a thing? Is it sweet or is it like dark chocolate and instead has a bitter taste? While most of us have tasted and had sensory exposure to something like chocolate, what if we had not? This would be, and still is, rather subjective in terms of tasting notes. Instead of using a hyper-specific connection to food, using just the five tastes is a way to level the playing field. Yet, this is just a starting point. Those specific tastes that we call upon, they are important too, but not for now. Next, we had our attendees taste something that was new to us as well. Dante kept jokingly getting everyone's attention at the entirety of the day by asking, hey, you want to try some acids? We acquired three food-safe organic acids, being lactic, malic, and tartaric, and added them to water in order to isolate them and detect the differences. While they were all sour and acidic by nature, they all had slight differences and varied in complexity. 
We saw that malic acid is the most present in apples, and the water acid solution we formulated tasted just like apple juice. It was the most acidic of the samples, and certainly the sourest, and pretty sweet as well. The tartaric acid, on the other hand, which is most present and familiar to us and our palates when we taste grapes, was milder by comparison, and the majority of those who tasted this one declared it as their preference of the three. And our final isolated acid, lactic acid, was by far the softest in texture of them all, as well as the most pleasant to sample in this kind of setup. We find lactic acid most present in dairy products, though the one we used was a non-dairy derivative. And that's found in sour cream, yogurt, and cheese. Lactic acid is also noticeably in other fermented foods, such as wine, sourdough, and kombucha. Now, the purpose of isolation for this set of hands-on was similar to the first. Many of us are familiar with using our memorized taste and call upon them when we taste coffee. Since coffee is a fruit, many times it shares the same organic acids that the fruits we are familiar with do. So when we taste a coffee that reminds us of an apple, it could be that the coffee has similar levels of malic acids as a real apple would. Or perhaps we taste a coffee that's nice and fermented in taste and even resembles a nice, rich wine. This could be due to the lactic acid levels. We found that tasting the acids in isolation first helped us map our palates to remember the specific acids rather than just the specific foods we were used to as a reference point. Again, this is important because it helps us level the playing field. Perhaps we've never had something like a yuzu because we live somewhere where this sort of fruit is not available. Yet, without ever having to taste, say, a foreign fruit, we have this sort of baseline understanding of the organic acid that those sorts of fruits may contain, thus giving us a clear understanding of what we are tasting. To wrap this portion of organic acid tasting, we brewed a large batch of coffee using a high ratio. We brewed 40 grams of coffee using 800 grams of water, which created a high ratio of 1 to 20. We used this ratio as a means of diluting the coffee so that it would be spit and that we could add each acid to 150 milliliters of our brewed coffee. If we had brewed at a lower ratio, even a normal 1 to 16, it could have interfered with how the acid reacted in the coffee. Having tasted just the acids in water first, we could see how it reacted when mixed with coffee and even brought out more complexity in the perceived acids that we were tasting. For our final hands-on section of this workshop, we moved to cup actual coffee. This part was done differently than normal yet again. Having calibrated our palates to both our five senses and some organic acid detections, we now were able to proceed with cupping with a clear understanding of what to pay attention to on our palates. As a way to test our abilities, we decided to cup via triangulation. And now this is a fancy term for a relatively simple practice, at least in setup and theory. We set three cupping bowls out, but it used only two coffees. Two bowls had an identical region added, while one was different. We chose coffees that were quite different in region, yet shared a resemblance in their profile as a means to make things more challenging. For the two identical bowls, we used a washed Ethiopia Guji. This coffee is unlike most from this region. It is low in fruitiness and acidity and rich in texture and floral. The other coffee that we used was a washed Guatemala Tecapan. This high elevation Guatemala tasted much like an Ethiopian coffee, and it has fooled many of us who have tried it. 
This made the triangulation all the trickier. In fact, for those of us who set up the bowls, it caused doubt as to which was which as they were so familiar. And this method of triangulation, cupping, is used by those who are preparing for testing out on their Q grader certification. It's far more challenging than it sounds. However, after calibrating our palettes, first, it was far less gradient than if we had chosen to jump straight in. Conclusion. We have been speaking about the importance of cupping coffee for quite a while now. You could even say we've had a bit of a fixation on it. However, cupping coffee is but a part of the tasting experience. If we want to have a clear, refined tasting experience, we must practice. Performing calibrations such as the ones we did in our workshop are great starting points, but there's still more to be explored. To taste better, then we encourage you to taste firstly with intention. Devise your own methods of calibration explore different tastes that you have yet to explore. Think about what is underneath those generic tastes, such as an apple's taste being comprised heavily of malic acid. Setting up intense testing trials for our taste is a fun way to grow, but it can start with as simple as taking the time to think about the everyday foods that you consume. Be sure to join us at our next workshop and get in on the experience and the conversation. Until next time. As a reminder, this episode, as well as all future scripted episodes, are available on our website in their written form, if that's more your speed. Go to 901sustaincoffee.com and go to the blog section, and you'll find the podcast episodes that are on there so far. We hope that you enjoy this, and it's an addition to your learning experiences. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CART. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to keep the show and the sustained team going, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This is an excellent way to keep the show free of ads, keep us motivated, and not to forget, it gives you some great perks. Support tiers start as low as $5.25. Head on over to patreon.com slash 901sustaincoffee to get started. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 901sustaincoffee. And check us out on YouTube by searching Sustain Coffee. All of these things can be found by just clicking the links provided in the show notes. Thank you for all your support. Until next time.